With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, plenty of NFL draft talk coming up because, of course, this is a big week for all of us here on the GM Shuffle. AD and Mike coming at you today, Wednesday, and Friday. We'll be recapping the first round of the draft. Before we get to the latest on Tua Tungavailoa and Boomer Esiason taking shots at my guy, how about the last dance? God, we've been so starved for any sort of sports content. ESPN's 10-part documentary debuted on Sunday night, the first two parts, and it was excellent, Mike, as you'd expect. One thing about ESPN, they do a great job when it comes to their documentaries. This in partnership with Netflix, the first two episodes showing Michael Jordan and the Bulls before their final season of 1997 and 98. And every great story needs a villain. Clearly, Jerry Krause is that guy. Jordan didn't like him. Phil Jackson didn't like him. Krause was pushing out Phil Jackson for his final season. And Scottie Pippen, the biggest shock to me is I sit here, Mike, thinking about what I watched last night. How the hell was Scottie Pippen not even in the top 100 paid guys in the league when he was one of the top two or top five players in the league. Jerry Krause, a mess. Well, before we go on that, I just want to make a comment. I saw a tremendous video, I think, of your son taking his first steps. Oh. I think that might have been the video of the week, right? <laughs> uh, thanks, Mike. My buddy Maz, yeah, my little guy, he's a year and a half old. As you know, I'm sure with your boys, you know, you're supposed to walk between nine months and 15 months. He's almost a year and a half, for God's sake. So clearly he's taking his time, but he's very, very happy with taking his first steps. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Yeah, no, well, I mean, look, he's used to being carried around. I mean, wh- why not, right? I mean, once you get used to being carried around, I mean, it's better late than never. I mean, look, you just got to learn how to pace yourself. I mean, like as Uncle Junior would say, well, he ain't shooting a Western here anyway the the reality of to me watching that show I mean there's so many brilliant things in it I wrote about it for the daily coach this morning I think Jordan was concerned about how he was going to be viewed look Jordan is a competitive guy 
I thought the best part of it was when they asked Jordan after he made the winning shot and North Carolina won the championship. He just said, I just was trying to help my team, you know, and, and I was hoping that that could have clinched the game. I mean, that's what the guy's all about. And, and that insatiable desire to improve combined with the unique, and I mean unique, ability. You know what irks me more than anything is when I see kids or young players with a picture of Kobe as their hero or Michael as their hero, and yet they have no freaking idea, no idea of how hard those two guys worked. They have no idea. Like they want to emulate them for the for what they've done on the court, but they don't understand the subterranean level of work that they've done to get to where they are. And I think that you could see Jordan's body. For me, Krause is the villain because – it's the classic example of ego, right? Ego is the cancer in most professions. And clearly, Krause couldn't just be happy with winning. He had to be happy with being the front man. Like, seriously, who was ever going to want to see Jerry Krause as a front man? Like, know your place, right? Yeah, it was one of the great lines. They said Jerry was that typical Napoleon complex, always had been the short, fat kid, and thus wanted credit because he never got it along the way. To your point about Jordan, how about Roy Williams, of course, the great coach in North Carolina. When he said when Michael arrived, you know, he said, I want to be the best player to ever have played here. And Roy Williams said, you better work harder than anybody. And Jordan said, well, I do work hard. And he's like, all right, well, let's see it. And he's like, talk about a guy who never took a day off. To your point, James Worthy was saying, he goes, I was better than Jordan for about a couple of weeks. But after one practice, two and a half hours, I'm drenched with sweat. And Jordan's like, come on, come on, let's go, come on. Like, that's what you're talking about, that motor that never ceases. Yeah, I thought the line that he said when he played his first game for the Bulls, he said, I was going after the captain of this team. I was going after him, not with my words, because I had no words, but I was going after him with my play. I was going to change the culture by how I played. I mean, that's ultimately the greatest thing you, any leader could ever possibly want in life. You know, and I think that that portrait into Michael is something that young players have to understand. Like, that's what he was about. He was about that. You know, when we idolize Beckham, and we talk about the greatness of Beckham. Beckham's talent is great, but Beckham doesn't have Jordan. He don't have that. You know, and Scottie Pippen, it's a great story. When Jimmy Sexton, uh, the agent from CAA, he had his own firm, Athletic Resource Management, it was called. It was based in Memphis. And Jimmy was just getting started. And we became friends because we both loved – I loved basketball and he loved basketball. I think we spent like three years before we ever met. We just would talk about hoops all the time on the phone – and Scotty, he was sitting in his office one day in Memphis, and he got a phone call from a coach from Arkansas, from Harding College, who said, hey, I got this young kid here who's a really good player. You should represent him. And Jimmy was like, well, you know, I mean, now Jimmy's business is just, I mean, it's barely getting going. He's got Reggie White, but, you know, he's got a lot of things. You know, it's, he's still not to where he wants to be. And sometimes when you take on a guy who can't play, he causes you more problems because it becomes your fault that he doesn't become a great player if you're an agent. So, you know, I think Jimmy was a little hesitant. And then so, but he talks to him. But then Scotty goes to Portsmouth when they had the Portsmouth convention and he lights it up and he becomes an instant classic, right? And now Jimmy ends up getting him as a client. And so, you know, I can remember going to Bulls games with Jimmy later on and, and being around them and just the animosity that they had. I thought the, Jordan's great line in the thing was, hey, Jerry, you going to go through the layup drill with us? Uh, we'll have to lower the rims naturally, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, a last thought on this, and of course, we're going to keep talking about this documentary. Parts three and four are going to air on ESPN next Sunday night. 
Pippen's deal that he signed was seven years, $18 million. This was back in like 90 or 91. And, and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, said, listen, once you... And he said to him, apparently, I don't think this is a good deal for you to sign. Like, you're going to elapse this. And Pippen's thought was, you know, his dad had very poignant stuff. You know, his dad had suffered a stroke. He wanted to look after his family. He didn't want to take the risk. If he got hurt, he wanted the guaranteed money. But Reinsdorf's thought was, hey, after you sign the contract, I don't want to see you. I'm curious your thought, Mike, in terms of management, in terms of renegotiating. I think, obviously, that's a bad decision to have. But I could see Reinsdorf saying, hey, man, I told you not to sign it, and then you signed it. I'm not talking to you for seven years. Yeah, I mean, that was back then, and I think you could have that approach. I think today it's a little harder. I think the Eagles went through a lot of this when they did those early contracts with players during the cap, and then most of the players got mad because unlike in basketball, you know, the money's guaranteed. So – you know, when you do a long-term deal, you may get cut, but you're still getting your money. In football, if you do a long-term deal and you get cut, there's portions of the money that you're not going to get. So I, I completely understand where Reinsdorf's coming from. But I think ultimately, I think if you want to build the right culture within your building, I think there's times where players outperform their contracts. And if you don't recognize that, you're making a mistake. Because the one thing I've learned in sports is you can't overpay great players. Where you get screwed up is when you overpay mediocrity, when you overpay guys who really aren't very good, when you overpay the Vitais, or when you overpay guys that are just average players and you give them these huge numbers, that, that's where you get in trouble. But when you pace a great player who's truly a great player, and I think this is ultimately, you can call this the last dance, but this is a peak for America to see the difference between what really is good and what really is great. We all think good and great are close, but they're not. And I think when you pay a great player, you can't overpay them. And I think that you have to be, as a GM, you've got to recognize that. I mean, the Patriots do it all the time. I mean, I think they've redone Julian Edelman's deal 10,000 times. They redid Brady's deal. They redid Rob Ninkovich's deal. I mean, they used to do redo the deals all the time because if you're going to bring players in and you don't adhere to the new player, like, okay, if I'm Jerry Krause and I draft this guy in the first round and he's basically making more because of the salary structure than Scottie Pippen, then I've got to change that. I can't live like that. Like I'm going to just screw up my team if I do that. And I think that that hard line may make you good with the owner, but your job is to build the best team, and the owner is going to make the same. Whether Pippen gets a new deal and somebody else takes a pay cut, it really doesn't matter. It was genuine animosity from Pippen towards Krause, especially later in the documentary. Can't wait for parts three and four on Sunday on ESPN. All right. Shots fired from Boomer Esiason, the former longtime Bengals quarterback, of course, uh, NFL analyst on CBS and a part of a radio show, WFEN Boomer and Geo. Take a listen at Boomer Esiason going after my man, Michael Lombardi. And the, other, you know, the other thing, and it goes back to the Tuatunga Vailoa stuff with Mike Lombardi. Like, like, who the hell is Mike Lombardi to be reporting that uh, Tua had broken a wrist in spring practice and then rebroke it? Like, how does he find out that information? Because he's close friends with uh, Nick Saban. And has Nick Saban given Mike Lombardi that information so Mike Lombardi can go running out there and just absolutely try to discredit a kid? Don't, yeah. don't, did you find so I find something wrong with that. And I understand that uh, Lombardi and Mike Tannenbaum both, you know, they're they're in the media now. They were on the other side. Now they're on the dark side and they get they have contacts. They have information and they use that information. And I, I, I get all of that stuff. But I do think that there's a violation here somewhere along the line that somebody is outing players and their health issues when those things should be kept private, I think. All right, thanks to Boomer and Geo for the audio. WFEN Sports Radio, 660 AM, 101.9 FM. I mean, this is, 
That's shocking that Boomer Sison would take shots you like that, Mike. Like, who the hell is Mike Lombardi reporting that stuff? Does he not know you got a job to do, report information? Well, I mean, here's the thing, and I have a real problem with Look, Boomer could say whatever the fuck he wants. I could give a shit, right? Like, you know, I know he's on TV and, you know, all that crap, and he's got his own show. You know, that's great, you know? Like, at some point, you owe it to the people that are listening to your show to be informed. Like, you need to be informed. And what I'm saying has nothing to do with, you know, trying to discredit a kid. How am I discrediting the kid? The kid got hurt. Everybody in the National Football League knows about it. If Boomer watched football on Saturday afternoons, he would know the kid got hurt too. Like, it's documented knowledge, right? And my job, your job, and anybody's job who talks to the fans are to educate the fans. And so all we're trying to do is bring them behind the scenes to understand how teams process injuries. Like, I'm not violating the kids' hippo laws. They're documented. Like, at some point, if you're going to break down the draft, Boomer, discuss the injuries of Tua because that's the issue. That's the fucking issue. And how am I discrediting the kid when the kid got the injuries and they're out there for all the world to see? Now, if you're on Lee Steinberg's payroll and you're covering up for Lee, just tell your audience that. Look, Lee told me to cover up for you. Like, I'm going to do this. But, like, I owe it. To the people to understand who love the draft, and when he starts to slip, I think Peter King has him going later in the first round. When he starts to slip, the fans at home could say, well, you know, it's the injuries. But discrediting the kid? How can you possibly accuse me of discrediting the kid? Because I'm friends with Nick Saban. The mistake I made is I said it was the wrist. It wasn't. It was the fifth metatarsal. I apologize. That's on me. It was the fifth metatarsal and it happened twice. But the reality was, I haven't talked to Nick Saban. I don't need to talk to Nick Saban about his fucking injuries. They're out there. They're living proof. Like at some point, what do you owe your audience? You just going to tell them how great you were that you threw it to Eddie Brown? I mean, seriously. Like at some point, you're supposed to educate the people that are listening to you. So you take a shot at me because I'm trying to tell people about what the process is behind the draft. If he would call up any of his friends in the NFL and say, tell me through the draft, but he don't know a fucking thing about the draft. He doesn't understand how it works. And yet he's educating people. Now you tell me if I'm wrong. Well, I just, I, I don't understand what his issue is with you. Exactly your point, Mike. You worked in the NFL for a very long time. You now work for The Athletic. You work for Cadence 13 with his GM Shuffle podcast. You work for The Daily Coach. You work for VEASAN. Your job is a guy, as you said, to explain things, to be informative. And this is information. This isn't like under lock and seal. This isn't guarded by the CIA or the FBI. This is information that's out there. And that's part of your job is to break information. If Boomer size has an issue with you breaking this, does he have an issue with Adam Sheff? After breaking information, is he have an issue with Field Yates or anybody else who's an NFL insider? Oh, of course not. He's not going to take a shot at Adam Schefter. Oh, no, no, no. He and Adam are buddies going to go on. He's got fucking Jason Lacafora on his show on Sunday mornings breaking information, but that's okay? That he's discrediting coaches that are going to get fired? That's okay, but if I report something that's actually facts, that people are really worrying about drafting a kid, it has nothing to do with the kid. Like, look, I, I mean, he can discredit me all he wants, right? Like, he can go read my book. If he wants to discredit me, just read the book, okay? If you don't think I understand what I'm talking about, then, you know, go talk to Belichick. Go talk to Al Davis. Go talk, read the book. Say, Lombardi's full of shit. He wrote a fucking shitty book. Okay, great. That's fine. I got no problem with that. I got. He's entitled to his opinion. I got no problem with that, you know? But he sits there like he's some fucking pope on a high mountain because he works for W fucking FAN. Like, I give a shit? Like, I care what he thinks of me? I don't give a crap. Like, he's not my judge. He don't judge me. I don't judge him. 
I don't go on TV when he says something fucking absolutely stupid on Sunday morning that I call somebody that's on the set with him and say, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't do that. He's entitled to his opinion. The use of discredit is the thing I have the biggest issue with. Like, you are not discrediting to a tongue of Iloa. You're painting an honest picture. It's like he's saying I have malice towards the kid. It's like I have malice towards the kid. I mean, Lee Steinberg made this comment on on WEI. He said, well, you know, Lombardi called him brittle. Well, let's look up the definition of fucking brittle, okay? Let's look that up. Like, I choose my words. Like, I actually do write for a living. Like, you would have to say after a 32-game career and five surgeries that two is brittle. But I get where Lee's coming from. I don't have a problem with Lee. I love Lee. Lee's the greatest salesman. I mean, he's P.T. Barnum. You know, all he needs is a couple elephants and a tiger, and it's perfect, right? He's out there selling, man, and that's what he has to do, and that's why he's good for kids. But for Boomer to sit on his fucking WFAN throne in the morning and say, well, you know, Lombardi discredited the kid. Hey, Boomer, did you watch college football on Saturday afternoon or were you too busy? Did you watch any of the game tape on this guy and see him get hurt? Yeah. For him to say, like, who the hell is Mike Lombardi? I think we all know who Mike Lombardi is. So we'll see. I was surprised by the comments and I appreciate your honesty and lashing back because you got to stick up for yourself. Like you said to me off the air. Hey, man, he doesn't know. I don't care what he thinks of me. That's the bottom line. I don't really give a shit. Like, he's never been in a draft room. He's never turned in. It's like these guys that make trades on ESPN, you know. I got this five trades. We're gonna. Nobody's made a trade in the NFL. You should trade this player. You know, you should do that. Like, like seriously, I'm not saying you've got to be in the room to have an idea. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not that arrogant to say that. But at least understand the procedures. At least those people that write those bad trade columns that I think are bad, at least they understand the procedures and they understand the cap and they've done their homework to understand the implementation of that. But when you just say Lombardi's discrediting this guy, like seriously, Boomer, do you understand the issue here? Do you understand he's six feet tall? He's had five surgeries and people are unwilling to pay millions of dollars to a guy that may be hurt in his career. Now, if he were completely clean and I fabricated the five surgeries, and I made up a horrible rumor that he was, you know, off and doing something ridiculous, then, yeah, take shots at me. This is fact. This is pure, unadulterated public knowledge. It isn't like I had some secret society that I went to and I got it. It's out there. All right. Well said. Your move now, Boomer. Hey, he can come on and debate. Hey, look, I don't give a shit. He can come on and I'll, he can. Well, I'll talk to the draft. I'll talk football with Boomer any way he wants it. He wants to talk about football. I'll be more than happy to. I mean, Tommy Tuberville wouldn't come on. I don't give a shit. He can rip my ass all he wants. It ain't going to bother me. But the reality of it is, is, is at some point you got to do a little bit of homework to back up. You don't have a throne. You're not the king. You know, poor man want to be rich. Rich man want to be king. King ain't happy till they rule everything. Well, you ain't ruling everything, Boomer. And to quote the wire, you come at the king, you best not miss. Open invite, Boomer Assassin, if you want to come on the GM Shuffle. We can have this conversation for a full 30 minutes if we like. Peter King. How about this thought, Mike? This kind of came out of nowhere. Tua Tungavailo eventually coming off the board remaining to be seen. But one prominent columnist. That's right. Peter King has New England trading up in his new mock draft. Peter King, NBC Sports, is the Patriots trading up from 23rd to 13th with the 49ers for the rights to pick Tua Tungavailoa. Make me smarter. What do you think? Could the Pats go after Tua? 
You know, I said this before. I think when you look at the Patriots grading system and you understand how a grading system operates, right? Because all teams have grading systems, Boomer. And if you understand how a grading system operates and how the medical grade affects the grades, I don't think that the Patriots can get to a high enough on their board to even pick them at 13. Now, do I think they could pick a, a Jordan Love? Yeah, maybe they could. Do I think they could pick a Justin Herbert? Yeah, I think they could get him up there high enough. I think this. I think the two guys that are probably the busiest players this offseason without traveling, that their FaceTime chats are probably at an all-time high, and I hope I'm not discrediting these kids by saying this, but I would say Denzel Mims and Jordan Love are probably the two hottest names that people want on their telephone. And just talking to teams around the league, those are the two hottest names. And I think that when you break this down, I just don't see the Patriots having the system to go up. Do I think a team could go up for them? Absolutely. Like, do I think the Saints could go up for Tua? Yeah, I do. But I think the Saints like Jordan Love way more. Um, how about this? This is also Peter King mentioned. Players likely to get traded during the draft. But remember, only players with signed contracts can be traded. Uh, Washington tackle Trent Williams, you mentioned that a couple months ago as far as the guy who's going to be trading places. Uh, he mentioned Joe Tooney from New England, Andy Dalton, the Bengals, Leonard Fournette. Of course, the rumors have been out there for a couple days now. And the Eagles wide receiver, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, go further here, Mike. Explain what this means. Only players with signed contracts can be traded. Yeah, like I don't think – so basically for Ndakue, if they want to trade him – they have to kind of orchestrate that deal. They've got to go to him and say, sign the tender. And he won't sign that tender until he knows he has a new contract with the team that's trading for him. So it's got to be orchestrated. So th this is not a draft day deal that you can make. This is something that's going on now behind the scenes to do that. He just can't go like, like where Tooney signed his tender. So if Bill wants to trade Tooney during the draft, it's no big deal. He trades him. You know, Andy Dalton, no one's taken on that contract. So I think Andy Dalton's going to get released or after the draft, somebody may, you know, redo his contract and then trade him. But I don't see that. Fournette, I talked about Fournette back at the trading deadline. And I said this, and again, I don't want to discredit Fournette, but I said this, that, you know, he doesn't fit what they do. But Fournette really doesn't fit what anybody does. Fournette's an old school running back. I mean, Fournette is not as good as Derrick Henry, you know, in terms of just taking over the game like Henry did down the stretch, you know, and the, the lack of production in the passing game, especially in space, makes it hard for him. But, like, if I were Carolina, you know, with McCaffrey in the game and you could put Fournette on the field and have McCaffrey as a slot receiver and now you could get into some kind of formation where you could be in really three receivers, but you're really in two receivers with another guy with McCaffrey as the back, that gets you some pounding going on. But I think that the market for Fournette is really bad. And I mean, it's not going to be very high. You know, we'll talk about later in the show. But I think ultimately, you know, when you take a running back in the draft, when you just go through the first round, and I did it since 2013, there's only been nine running backs picked in the first round. And Barkley, Fournette have struggled in the passing game so far. Elliott, McCaffrey, Gurley was sensational in the passing game. Before he got hurt, he was sensational. Josh Jacobs, he's going to have to improve in the passing game. Penny was all about the passing game. Sonny Michelle has to improve in the passing game. But there's only been eight of those guys picked since 13. And, you know, when you take one that high at four, I mean, think about it. Fournette went four, Elliott went four. 
you know, you got to get multidimensional players. That's why Barkley, he's got to become a better player in terms of the passing game because if he doesn't, he won't. And I think he'll, you know, that this is what – when these guys go in the game, everybody says, run, 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 you know. And so people end up run blitzing it or they do things to the formation to take them out of the game. I remember it was something you taught me very early on, and we're up on almost the one-year anniversary of our first podcast together, which is that you told me for running backs, everyone looks at the running, but you said they got to block. You said Tom Brady will not trust a guy block. unless he can block. Otherwise, you're useless. Yep. And scouts don't – everybody talks about runners like it's 1970 and, and Tony Dorsett's back there, you know? <laughs> like, that ain't the game anymore. Yeah. Like, that ain't the game anymore. Yeah, I think there's only one running back, Mike, who's going to get selected in the first round. That's DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, to your point. Yeah, and that's going to be somewhere in the 20s. And, and, and if there's a prop out there, will a running back go in the first round? I would bet no. I would say probably 32, 33, 34, 35. I think he's the top of the second. But, you know, he could sneak into the first, but I think it's because, you know, he's 5'8". He's not as big, but you, you've got to be really careful with that. Right. One more topic, then we'll take a quick break. You look at a guy like Jordan Love, the quarterback. One more topic here. We'll squeeze in before we get to the break. We were talking about Todd McShay and how he's in love with Jordan Love. He has him high in his mock draft. What about the Saints drafting him? You know, they're picking at number 24. Drew Brees is 41 years old. He signed a two-year contract, mainly play one year, and then apparently he's going to go to NBC Sports and, you know, start to become an analyst there, eventually usurp Chris Collinsworth. Do you think Love slips to 24? Does it make sense for Sean Payton to nab him? Well, I, I think they've done a lot of homework on him, and I think they're really interested in him. I think they've done a lot of homework on him, and they've done a lot of homework on the, the kid from Oregon State. You know, I think those are the two guys that kind of fit what the Saints are really about, and so they're looking at they're looking at them. And, and the problem that the Saints have is they really don't have a lot of picks. They've got a first, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. They just don't have a lot of them, you know, and – They've been investing in Jordan Love. I mean, they've done a lot of homework on Jordan Love. And look, let's face it, it, this is the perfect time for them to get one. I mean, they need a linebacker. So, you know, they lose A.J. Klein in free agency. Alonzo's coming off a torn ACL. So they've got some issues. But I think when you break it down, Sean's smart enough to know that, look, if I can go get myself a quarterback to go along with Taysom Hill, you know, it may be worth it. And we may have to pick up the pieces somewhere else. That's the only thing. I mean, you, ideally you would think they would trade down. But I think if Jordan Love came to, it made it to 24 or close to that, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints moved up to get him. All right, more uh, conversation on Jordan Love, of course, will come on Wednesday's GM Shuffle. But after the break, we'll talk about what's happening elsewhere in the NFL, including the Jets reportedly in no rush to sign Jamal Adams to an extension. Plus, what's happened with Odell Beckham Jr.? Is he going to get traded or not? That's coming up on the GM Shuffle. Today, tomorrow, and for an indefinite number of days to follow, the world faces a terrifying crisis. But our country has been through hard times before. The influenza of 1918, the Great Depression, the Second World War, polio, and the Cuban Missile Crisis. And in each case, our national character has been tested. I'm John Meacham, and this is Hope through history. Together, we'll talk through five moments in time when America's leaders and citizens were forced to confront crises of historic magnitude, where we banded together and made it out the other side. Download and subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's talk about Jamal Adams here, Mike. All indications of the Jets GM Joe Douglas wanting to re-sign Adams. That's according to ESPN's Rich Chimini. But unless Adams is willing to accept a team-friendly extension, Douglas and the Jets have very little incentive to pay the former first-round pick. Now, number of reasons for that. He's got two more years left on his rookie contract. He is set to earn $3.5 million this season. The deal contains a fifth-year option for 2021 that the Jets are going to pick up. This is what we talked a little bit earlier here, the last dance. You know, you go back and forth here. Adams could still hold out. I hope the accrued season won't matter because of what's happened in the collective bargaining agreement. A rookie loses an accrued season towards free agency if he doesn't report to training camp. So lots of situations here. Bottom line is this. If one of your best players isn't happy, that's not good. But what are the Jets going to do? Look, I wrote about this in Gridiron Genius. You know, I think he's a fabulous player. And I think that really Greg Williams deserves a ton of credit for how he utilized him and keeping him close to the line of scrimmage, attacking him, kind of making him a multidimensional player. I think he's he's not a a player that you know is going to be able to just take over the game. I think it's a scheme driven. Now he's really good. Don't get me wrong. He's really a good player. And they've done a great job of tailoring it. But I think what Douglas has to do is Douglas has to look at his options. And he simply has got to say, hey, look, well, you've been on our football team. We won seven games last year. you know, And there's a bigger picture here. Until we start to win some games, look, i got no problem redoing your deal. But you know, this isn't going to be we're going to redo your deal to make you happy. This is going to be I'm going to redo your deal, what's best for both parties. So you know, if you want to hold out on the virtual camp, that's fine. Who gives a shit, right? You know, but at some point, you're going to have to come in and work. I mean, you just got to be brutally honest with the kid because at the end of the day, you know, when they overspent to pick this position because this position is a dying position in the NFL unless unless they can play man to man. Unless they can just lock up on any any slot receiver and play man-to-man. Because you can't impact the game if you don't. So I would be brutally honest with the agent. I would tell him how I feel. If the kid wants to hold out, life goes on. We want him as part of the franchise. But at some point, I can't overextend myself because I think I, I'm going to have to pay Sam Darnold down the road. See, no one talks about these things. Like, like the Chargers in 2021. I mean, they've got Melvin Ingram they got to resign. They've got Joey Bosa they've got to resign. They've got Henry. They've got Keenan Allen and Melvin Ingram. I mean, they've got like five guys that they got to resign. And I didn't even, they didn't even talk about Mike Williams. 
So when you're planning this, you just can't plan it on a daily basis. You got to plan this thing out, you know? And that's why I think when you look at the Chargers or you look at the Jets, whatever you do today, if you have to pay a quarterback down the road, you got to make sure you count that in. And don't forget, I mentioned the fact that they're going to use the option 2021, but you can also franchise them. So it's actually three more seasons the Jets are going to have them. And you're right, it's not going to end well because it, I don't, there's no reason for them to pay the guy right now. So the other issue in terms of a guy who is a real mess, Odell Beckham Jr. Trade rumors apparently were just rumors. We heard about this conversation over the weekend, but Adam Schefter, VSPN, reported Sunday morning that the Browns haven't had any discussions of trading Beckham. A team source telling Schefter that's the truth. Cleveland quickly put up the fire. Chief Strategic Officer Paul Dupatesta made it clear the Browns were not trading Beckham when he shot down the rumors suggesting the Browns were attempting to trade Beckham to the Minnesota Vikings. Dupatesta said in a conference call it was completely false. How does that happen, Mike? And first of all, actually, should I ask you, do you believe that there is no truth to this and secondly if that is how does stuff just get made up like that well i think they discredited odell beckham you know they're putting these trade rumors out there i think they discredited him it's not fair it's not fair i think boomers should get up on his palate and start talking about this now you know i mean look it's easy just put odell beckham's name into a trade rumor because everybody knows that you know eventually the browns are going to trade him they owe him i think this year he's got one year of the guarantee i think it's 11 million dollars of his paragraph five is guaranteed which you would have to absorb and then the next three years it's there's no guarantee money following him so it's easy throw odell beckham out there everybody believes based on his behavior that he's available you know and they've got to throw water on this fire to keep it out i don't think it was true at all i thought it was a completely bad rumor in fact i was getting ready to do my vcin show and I said, that has no merit. I mean, you can't – Minnesota needs to pick defensive players. You know, they got rid of Diggs because they wanted – they need a cap, and they got to sign Dalvin Cook, and they, and they extended Cousins. So it didn't make any sense. But, you know, look, let's face it, people – they start rumors and, you know, whether it's, you know, true or not. I mean, you know, sometimes when you say suggest a trade, you know, that doesn't mean you're really saying – the guy's available. Everybody's available for a price. Let's be real honest. There's about 12 players that probably aren't. Well, it's funny when you look back at what the actual deal was, you know, March of 2019, the Giants traded Odell Beckham Jr. Brown's 2019 first round pick, number 17 overall, the 2019 second, thir- second round pick, number 96 overall, excuse me, third round pick, plus safety Jabril Peppers. And you think about that's what they came up for Beckham and look what they got back so far. I mean, what a mess. Although I'm sure a lot of people could have predicted that this was not going to work out well for Cleveland. The key to the deal was Jabril Peppers, which I I just don't get. Like, we talk about Jamal Adams, right? Jabril Peppers was a guy who played really well linebacker at Michigan. And Michigan declared on the tape what they were doing with him. If you paid attention to the tape, you realized that he wasn't a linebacker and he wasn't a safety. They did not want him to play in the deep part of the field. They wanted to blitz him almost every down, and they wanted to kind of make him a joker player. And that's what they did. Now, they didn't tell you that. You had to be intelligent enough to watch the tape, understand the scheme, and understand what they're doing with them. And the Giants just think he's a safety. And whenever he's in the middle part of the field, people are going to go after his ass. You know, it's like a center fielder that unless the ball's hit to him, he ain't making a play on it. You know, the alleys are wide open. And so, you know, that was the key to their trade. But Peppers is a player that fits back in a day when we had safeties that could play close to the line, That when we were in an eight-man front. But that ain't the case anymore because eight-man fronts get expanded by motion. And then somebody's got to cover somebody. And Peppers ain't covering anybody. So and the same thing with Adams, although just Adams is a way different, unique player, a more physical, dominating player. Peppers isn't that. 
Coming up next, we're going to talk about the top 10 of the draft right now as it stands. Of course, a lot could change, so we've got a new podcast coming out Wednesday. Top 10 when we come back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Mike, top 10 as it stands. The whole world knows Joe Burrow's going to go number one overall. I think Chase Young is going number two overall. He's probably the best player available in the draft. Another great Ohio State stud defensive player like Nick Bosa. After that, things get interesting when it comes to the top 10, don't they? Yeah, they really do. I mean, and you know, Detroit's out there trying to sell their pick. You know, they, they're trying to get somewhere where they can go down. I think Detroit would, you know, everybody has them taking the corner. I, I think there's a lot, a lot of love for C.J. Henderson. And I think this conversation about Okita, I don't I'm just saying his name correctly. Yeah, Jeff but Okuda from Ohio State. Okuda. Yeah, I think Henderson is really well thought of. And so, I, you know, I think Detroit, because they have two guys that they may like, and Henderson is a guy that I think a lot of teams like in this draft. So I could see him trying to trade down, but I don't know if they're going to be able to. I think the Giants, I don't care how much they bluff or talk about they got to pick an offensive tackle. And I think they obviously want to move down, but I think it's worse from Iowa. I think that's the guy. He gives them versatility in there. The Chargers are the wild card. Remember, the Chargers, as I talked about earlier in the pod, they've got Bosa, Henry, Allen, and Ingram. They've got to resign, Right. And Tyrod Taylor, it's funny. I wrote a column we'll talk about later in the week. I wrote a column about Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, how sometimes teams label players, and then the labels end up sticking to the players that, that are kind of unfair. And when you look at this, when Buffalo traded, Buffalo was the team that traded to the Kansas City Chiefs so they could pick Patrick Mahomes. The quarterback on Buffalo team at that time when they made that trade, Tyrod Taylor. And now he's the quarterback of the Chargers. And we know Anthony Lynn's saying, I really like Tyrod Taylor. Just like Buffalo really liked Tyrod Taylor. And they passed the opportunity to either pick Mahomes or, or Deshaun Watson. They had to come back and pick Josh Allen the next year. So I'm saying, if you're the Chargers and you're not thinking quarterback, then where is your quarterback coming from? I just don't know. And it's not Tyrod Taylor, even though – now, maybe it's Cam Newton. Maybe it's Jameis Winston. Who knows? And I think both of those players, maybe Cam might have a deal done before it all steps out. Maybe they think they could pick Jake Luton from Oregon State in the later rounds and get a good player, or they think they could – Jordan Love. Or the other guy who's hot at quarterback, uh, give you a name, AD, James Morgan from Florida International. I would say, you know, besides any other quarterback, I think James Morgan's probably been talked to more than anybody in the league. 
Wow, that's interesting because I think there could be seven quarterbacks taken overall. We all know that it's going to be Burrow, Tua, and Love, and Herbert actually could be those four. But you're right. I have not heard about Morgan, so that could be interesting. And then I think when you get past the Chargers and Miami, I, I still think Miami Miami is going to go down the middle of the fairway. I think it's either going to be Herbert or it's going to be a left tackle. That's my call. And then I think Carolina is going to be the same thing. I think Carolina will either be Derek Brown. I think Carolina could be an offensive lineman. They could take a corner. I think they could go in those three directions. But I think when you look at that, the team that I just can't get my finger on is because I'm told from a lot of people it's Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a team that, you know, when you look at their depth chart, how do they not take a quarterback? And then how do they not take a corner? I mean, those are the two things. I mean, they only have two quarterbacks on their team. Now, you know, they could have more than enough capital to trade up to get a guy, but we'll see. So I think that's going to be the interesting team there. Once again, we'll have a new podcast, The GM Shuffle, coming out on Wednesday. Wash your hands, everybody. Follow us on Instagram, at The GM Shuffle. And by the way, James Scully, my man, he does a great job. One of our producers with Zone NFL Canada wanted me to tell you he loves the Homeland recaps. Although he didn't watch Homeland this weekend, so we'll have to bury it another time, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm so disappointed I didn't watch it. I'm going to watch it tonight. Wednesday, we'll have a full Homeland recap so we can talk about how insane those writers. Like, at some point, they should have sent an eraser to that room. Like, they were writing. They should have had either white out or an eraser because, you know. But anyway, again, I feel bad. I mean, who am I to talk about Homeland? Uh, you know, and I don't want to hurt them. So Yeah, you don't want to discredit anybody here, Mike. That's the key. Open invite, Boomer Esiason. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Even though I'm on morning radio and I'm discrediting everything that goes on, I don't want to do it here. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, you're always on WFN, are you not? You're on with a couple other guys, not Boomer. Yeah, I do Joe and Evan's show. I love those two guys, you know. I, like, I'll go on. Like I, like, I hope Boomer comes on our pod. I mean, we'll see if he does, you know? I agree. I mean, because if you're going to attack somebody, you know, you got to be able to say, like, really? Why? I like it. Open invites there. <laughs>